Welcome to the Nutmeg Darina podcast brought to you by The Nutmeg Assist. So guys, welcome, welcome back to the part two of this exciting episode where we talk about uh, the problems at Manchester United and you know the causes of these problems as well. So I hope you enjoyed part one. So we have a little more content here in part two of this episode. So we'll keep it short. I mean, we'll keep this uh, part short here. But and and as we ended, I mean, we ended part one. I mean, discussing about the directors like of I mean. I mentioned that Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, they had directors. I mean, Arsenal, Milnestad has left Arsenal, I guess, currently. Isn't it? Uh, yeah, he has uh, a few yeah. months ago. Yeah, Gazzardis, uh, Mil- I think both have left. And yes, they ha- they did have a decent transfer policy in the summer. They bought Lucas Torreira in. Uh, Guendouzi was, I think, uh, an Unai Emery signing itself. So they had aligned with the, these, play- these guys, aligned with the managers to bring in the right players while United... Woodward is kind of lost. You need a director, to be honest, in my opinion. And Chris, uh, Chris and Prashant, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, please continue. Yeah, Chris and Prashant, I'd, yeah, I'd like to know your opinion on having a director of football or someone who knows football, to be honest. That's the thing, Ritwik. Now, director of football is probably the most important position in a football club after the manager or the coach, you know. And you see. Yeah. You give the examples of all these players, and then when Mourinho was sacked in the winter, the, there was this big inside news coming that United have decided to transform their internal structure. They are now going to put a director of football in place, and then he will decide. Like then he will sit with the manager and decide on the place and on the ship. But then six months have almost passed, and nothing has happened. And now the reports are coming that United are going to appoint Mike Phelan as a director of football. Now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who is Mike Phelan, first of all? He is a guy who was given a job uh, who, by Sir Alex Ferguson, who was made relevant by Sir Alex Ferguson. And then when Sir Alex left, he was sacked by Hull City, he was sacked by Norwich. And then he went to went to become the director of football in Australian League, where his team uh, got relegated. <laughs> so, like He did, didn't get relegated exactly, but then he they, you can't get relegated in the A-League, so he he was the last team you know on the table so what are the qualifications of this to become a director of football at manchester united the main qualification it seems is that you you must be a person who knows the club like you know knows the club is this some qualification of knowing the club what is this no. by no if this was happening then you know 10 years from now maybe uh, masheda or someone uh, would be the manager of Manchester United. Why? Because he scored an important goal 20 years ago that won the league. <laughs> or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and I, I've, I've also heard uh, that this, Eric Cantona... Uh, yeah, Eric Cantona will become yeah, uh, right. director of football because he, he was a great player. He knows the culture of the club. What is this bullshit? Buy a person... Well, my <laughs> bad. Uh, get a person who knows how to run football. Like this, I was, I don't know about this news. Like Juventus director of football was about to leave and then you can go and try to poach him or Van der Sar, maybe people are talking about Van der Sar. He, he runs the, 
he is with overmars in the ajax operation maybe he knows how to do these things but that might feel like just because he's always friend and then you keep him in the director of football what's the point like you should go for a man who is being wanted by 10 uh, 10 other clubs not like who at this moment of time who is looking for mike field and no one other than manchester united if they are the one giving him the job <laughs> so yeah I, really baffling for me chris what's your opinion on this dof shit and like all this drama i don't see i don't have any faith in you know glazers that they will put any good man in there yeah well i i, I think that after the football is needed uh especially especially at manchester united um I mean, my interpretation of the director of football role itself is that the director of football should be running the entire football side of the football club. Mm-hmm. So basically the owners, so the manager doesn't report to the chairman or the chief executive if he reports to the director of football. So the director of football is the manager's boss. So he's choosing the manager, he's, he's in charge of the scouting network, he's in charge of the youth development and he's basically devising a strategy for the whole football side of the football club and then Eli Eliezer's with I mean he should even be on the board of directors so that on the board the football the football side I think when it comes to that I always imagine a meeting of the board the board of directors and they say well what's going on in the commercial part of the club what's going on in this part of the club right what's going on in the football club uh, football side of the f- football club and the director of football would be there on the board that i mean that's the way i always see it but so uh, to go go into the job role a bit more specifically so i don't know whether it's mike feeling whether it's edwin van der sar whether it's monchi whether it's marcel brands you could go right through the world football and pick a director of football uh, in terms of names they're basically sitting there they're choosing the manager they've obviously got a way of them playing themselselves uh, they're choosing a manager Uh, who's got an, an identity who's got a system in place and then he's thinking right you you tell me what positions that we need and then I will go out and buy you the most suitable player in terms of wages uh, contracts etc for that position and if I can't get you plan A then I'll come to you with a plan B a plan C a plan D and then not only that while you're dealing with the first team I'll be late, I'll be I'll be liaison with the youth development uh, manager and making sure that the, the, there's a pathway for youth players to come up and give me a list of players that you don't want at the club and I will be uh, I'll be touting them around Europe and getting the best value for them to suit our football club and that that, that, that is it for me that, that that is a director of football is, is specifically that, um, and is simply as I could say he's in charge of the entire football operation of the football club Yeah, and he Ed. picks a manager uh, and it's basically it, it would be Ed Woodward and the Glazers not given Ole Gunnar Solskjaer 100 million 200 million to spend they'd be giving it to the director of football and saying that's how much money you've got work with the manager and spend it well I've employed you because I trust you to spend 250 million so it's got to be it, 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 he's, he's got he's got to know about football he's got to have an idea on how to set up a team uh, he's got to be experienced for the job that's why Mike Phelan is completely the wrong man for the job whether he knows the club or not it's it's irrelevant like Prashant just said it's not a skill whether you know a football club it's not a skill yeah, and, yeah. and yeah, yeah if, if, if you look at Ajax there or Mark Overmars 
Justin Clivert uh, wanted to leave Ajax last summer and over market income in his way. He said, okay, if you, if you want to leave, if you want uh, to go to a different league, okay, you can go. Clivert has went to Roma and he's been that good there at Roma. They are particularly having a bad season. But yeah. see, see the signings that uh, Overmars has made there. Daily Blind from Manchester United. Yeah. They bought back Daily Blind. Dusan Tadic from Southampton. I I'm, I think this this is one of the signing of the season, to be honest. Yeah. Dusan Tadic's performance in the uh, Champions League. Then they have also bought uh, Lisandro Magallan from uh, Boca Juniors, who's an Argentinian uh, centre-back. Yeah. Uh, from Boca Juniors, and if so, you see this sign, is this, yeah, yeah. If you, if you, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm just saying that if they can do this, uh, these uh, quality signings on limited budget, just imagine how much, how many good signings can they make if they have the budget of United or you know such a big club. Exactly. You, yeah. you, you need a, you need a proper figure behind this. You need a proper director of football who actually knows football and who actually knows. And uh, who actually recognizes proper talents? Mark Overmars yeah. knows that, and he's done a great job. If you, if you even uh, yes, Frankie De Jong is moving to Barcelona, but Frankie De Jong was signed up by I, I mean signed by Ajax for I guess one million or less less than one million euros I guess from a fellow Dutch Dutch league club. And look at Frankie De Jong; they've sold Frankie De Jong for around 65 million now to Barcelona. That, that this is what you call proper development. This is what you call proper scouting. This is the way yeah. how a club should be run. And I, like I, I, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not being by. I, I don't want to be biased here. I, I, but, uh, but still, I want to talk about Liverpool as well, uh, especially Michael. <laughs> yeah, Michael. Just can't help it, critic. <laughs> yes, yes. My, my, I know. I have to praise Michael Edwards for his job. I mean, Barcelona. Fabinho was a signing out of nowhere. Yes, he Klopp initially said Fabinho had a completely different system at Monaco. He was a completely different player. It would take him, a, take him a bit to adjust to the Premier League and the system that Liverpool had. And he had to get a little bit bulkier as well. He was very slim and was easily pushable as well. So, he's, he's got fit and he I think he, just, he started playing regularly from November. That is three months after the season began. And look at him now. He's he's one of the mainstay in this team, and I don't think uh, a starting eleven without Fabinho looks very assuring for Liverpool, to be honest. And if, yeah, and Michael Edwards did proper groundwork. The signing was out of nowhere. Not even Liverpool fans knew that Fabinho was a target. So this kind of proper scouting, this kind of uh, proper investment, is what United also need. They bought Sanchez. Yeah. Sa- they bought Sanchez out of nowhere, who's been a total flop. They bought Fred in the summer, seeing him in, I mean, the Ukrainian league, and I'm 100% sure Fred's passing was moreover the same there as well uh, with Shakhtar. No, I'm still not sure why United uh, spent 50 plus million for him. I thought, I, I think like Woodward just wanted to please Mourinho with some signing or whatsoever. That's Sorry to interrupt. I'm I'm sure there's a there's a funny there's a funny story in the UK that uh, Shakhtar only actually wanted twenty or twenty five million. Yes, yes, I, I yeah. heard that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, so. and 
Yeah, and then Manchester United just came in with a ridiculous bid out of nowhere, and they uh, of and and then and then Shakhtar asked for oh right, oh and then they actually increased the bid by five million just to see if they could get it, and Manchester United still ended up paying it. And, and it's not it's not it, it's not actually portrayed as a joke. It's been traded like it's portrayed as a rumor, as if like a transfer story would be. It's actually a serious thing that. When when Shakhtar were actually uh, sort of obviously financial fair play reasons and etc. Due to Russian league, were saying, well, who are we going to get rid of? They were actually willing to get rid of Fred for twenty or twenty five million. And Manchester <laughs> and Ch- Manchester United uh, did they buy him? It was forty five million pounds, wasn't it? Forty, 40 million. Forty eight million pounds. Forty eight million pounds. So that what was that? So that's what sixty million euros is it? So, yeah, so give us, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that that was it. I actually Manchester United went in with a forty million pound bid straight away, and Shakhtar was sort of dead taken aback by it. I said, "Oh right, well, no, we're we're actually looking for this amount," and then Manchester United agreed to pay it still. Yeah, this this is, this is the, this, this, do you remember six years ago when Fellaini's uh, release contract was 20, yeah. 22, 22 million, and then we didn't really. Didn't buy him before 31st July. We bought him on 14th August. 15 days later for 29 million. 20. Yeah, yeah. He was ava- He was available for tw- uh, for. I think it was the, the the way the best thing about that transfer was, uh, Everton, uh, Roberto Martinez had just took over Everton, and it was obvious that uh, Fellaini didn't fit into any kind of playing philosophy that he wanted to bring to the club. So it was obvious from the early part of pre-season that we didn't actually we were happy to sell Fellaini. <laughs> so Manchester United could have, anyone could have got him at any point. Yeah, but then and then, yeah, yeah, but he had he had the Champions League release clause of twenty million or something around that. I think it was the twenty fourth of August they had to be met by. As long as the bid fourth of July, I remember that. Yeah, and then obviously Manchester United waited till well after, and then bought them anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I mean this this ongoing stru- transfer. Well, I'm not going to call it a transfer strategy because it's quite clearly not any kind of strategy that, that they've got in place. This is having a knock on to what we spoke about in part one. This is having a knock on effect because because there's no way sort of guidance in terms of the way Manchester United buying players this is why the players the agents of other players of say Ashley Young Chris Small and Phil Jones etc are probably looking at it from a situation and going well hold on they're not buying players you've got no competition here let's ask for a new contract and then and then the board's going okay then yeah yeah because we have we're lower numbers and yeah Etc. and obviously other contributing factors to that uh, and it's having a knock-on effect right around the whole club uh, I I actually think as well I'm not sure if you guys agree or not there seems to be, there seems to be a, re, a, a real I'm not sure again I, I think we've quoted on it in other podcasts before the Manchester they, they sign players it's like they've got to sign a, a name a name yes. to, to sell a shirt. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, why can't Manchester United go and find an unknown player? You t- tell me, they, they must have a, the, one of the biggest scouting networks in the world. Why they can't they can't go and unearth a Mares, say like Leicester did, or a Kante like Leicester did, or an Adrissa Garner gay? What, 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 
that Everton have got at the moment because they're the types of players that Manchester United should be looking at now. They they, they need to be, especially not being into, into the Champions League. I know we'll probably go on to that point in a minute, but they they need to be they need they really need to start pulling things out the hat here in terms of players they can't be they can't they can't afford to be making players like Fred who are going to just be really expensive mistakes and players like Lukaku uh, again it's been Lukaku is all right he's been the scapegoat for most oh yeah players. I'm not I'm not knocking him as a player. Because obviously he's Everton's he's Everton's top Premiership goal scorer. I've seen, I've seen, I know Lukaku like the back of my hand in terms of watching him play, but he's quite clearly not fit for. He he quite clearly weren't he he weren't the, the striker that a jo, Jose Mourinho wanted. That all that system that he had in place, and I'm only assuming that Mourinho was trying to have the same system that he did at every other club. Where his, where his striker needed to be a bit more agile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, now, uh, yeah, go on, Rupi. Yeah, and one, one more thing with United was, it's like, they had Wayne Rooney till 2017, and in the summer of 2017, they told Wayne Rooney, who was the captain, who was the club captain, yes, he was on high wages, that, that's that's one, one, one story, and the next one was that, he was a massive, uh, massive figure in the in the dressing room. Okay. Oh yeah. You had the likes of you had the likes of Rooney, Zlatan, in the dressing room, and that really helps the whole squad. Uh, that really boosts your morale as a team. That even gives the manager extra confidence. But yes, as uh, Rooney was sold, Lukaku was bought, and United was left with Zlatan. And they still had a great season there. Once Latan left, you don't, you didn't have any more. Uh, yeah, we did. Like we discussed in the first, first one, Correct. right? First part of this. No, uh, no figure there, no figure to look up to, and then that's yeah. all this ego and, stuff. Yeah, and you you sold Wayne Rooney for an extra because he was on a very high, uh, he was on very high wages, but then. You go on and sign Alexis Sanchez in a swap deal with Hendrik Mkhitaryan. Okay, again. Okay, it's again, fine. Again, no, that see that summer, Mourinho wanted four players: Matic, Lukaku, Lindelof, and uh, if you remember, Ivan Perisic. Yes. But Perisic not, yes. not given to him because Woodward was ready to offer only 40 million. The media reports came that he was ready to offer 40 million, but then Inter wanted 50 million pounds. Yes. And Perisic went went on to have a great World Cup and the season and then he got Sanchez. Why did he get Sanchez? Because Sanchez is a big name in South America. He can sell shirts and more uh-huh. importantly, Sanchez was for free. So he went yeah. for a free signing who sells shirts over a 50 million signing who could have actually solved the right wing problem for United. It was a knee-jerk, it was a knee-jerk reaction as well because I, if I remember right, Pep Guardiola and City were interested in Sanchez but mm. they weren't willing to take the risk no, to give Sanchez those high wages, you know, to pay him the high, mo- I mean, the, those high uh, sum of money and bring him. That's why they were very patient and they wanted to wait till the summer. But what did United do? They they thought like they were getting a steal uh, away from Man City, and you you know how that has panned out, right? So that that that's where th- these small things are 
where United really lack the cutting edge currently, and I think you th- there there's a lot lot more behind the scenes that United need to restructure. To, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I I think there was obviously after the David Moyes era, uh, and obviously given what was going on at Manchester City, I think. I think I think Louis Van Gaal was the right appointment. Correct. Yep. Same okay, thing. on the field. Okay, obviously got them back in the Champions League, but then obviously they fell out of the Champions League, but won the FA Cup. Okay, but I, I think I think he earned another season. Okay, but then you yeah. couldn't really blame anyone. Okay, and probably most clubs at that time probably would have done the things. Obviously, they know they knew they could have got Jose Mourinho at that time, so they made that choice. But I think there, there was a massive, massive oversight at the in the in in the club off the field as to how far they dropped in that period of say between between Alex Ferguson and between uh, between Jose Mourinho and also how far other clubs had come because I I think all they thought. Edward Wood, the Glazers, whoever made the decision, that once they got Jose Marino in place, that was it. Everything was guaranteed. Okay, now obviously the first season, they finished sixth, but they won the League Cup and the UEFA Cup. Okay, they, I thought they were very fortunate to win the League Cup because Southampton deserved to win a game that day. So it could have very easily been a different story. The UEFA Cup, they sort of stuttered the way to it. Come on, Chris. Sir <laughs> Alex was very fortunate to win the treble. If Bayern had not hit the post twice, we can't bring yeah, those things oh, up. Oh yeah, of course, yeah, of course, yeah. But what I'm saying is because that was so so important in that season for Jose Mourinho. Obviously, I know the treble will always go down as a historic event for Manchester United. But Alex Ferguson's got 20 odd other trophies that he can compare to. Where they, they, do you know what I mean? That he can always say, "Well, I deserve to win that one." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> I mean, obviously. Um, and, and and he got that season out of the way and then the second season even though he didn't win nothing they had quite a productive transfer window going back to the the transfers that you, you've mentioned before and then they, and they finished second okay so but obviously the gulf between them and Manchester City it, it just weren't taken on board people again it's like, it's like this oh we've got Jose Mourinho in charge it, it's, it's, just, it's going to find he's going to win a league eventually okay but the, 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 what they needed to do at that point, and I don't know if Marie, if, if I don't know if Mourinho come, they needed to be patient. Manchester United, they needed to think right. Well, we finished second there. We've got back in the Champions League. We need to build on this. But Manchester City are years ahead of us now. Do you know what I mean? Liverpool have caught up to us now. They've got a, a, an ongoing thing. This was obviously before this season. This is going back to the end of last season now. Liverpool obviously yeah. caught us up. They're about to have a good. They've just bought Van Dijk in January. Obviously, Manchester City are streets ahead of us with the plate with the players that they've got on the field. Obviously, they've got the academy off the field. What Manchester needs to do then is just sort of sit back and just say, "Well, okay, what we've got to do now is we're not going to win this league in the next season. We're not going to win it in the next two seasons. But we've got Mourinho here. Let's compromise. Let's see what we can do. Let's focus on one position." Let's 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 strengthen that position with the aim a bit similar to what Liverpool have done, uh, 
and then and then in the next transfer window we'll focus on that position, and then and then they and then we'll see what we've got, and if we have to get rid of that player there, then we will do. But it, last January just seemed to start a massive craze when they bought Sanchez. I haven't got a clue why that signing was made, uh, and certainly for the amount in terms of wages etc. Uh, that it was made for and. They actually paid a fee to Arsenal because he weren't out, he weren't out of contract. He was out of contract in the summer. He was free to talk to Manchester United, but they actually had to pay a fee to get him in there in January. Uh, and and then it just escalated from there. That's where it, it, it escalated even further than what we said before. Uh, and again, obviously, it, and the warning signs were there in the summer. Mourinho should have quit in the summer or the board should have actually stood up and sacked them in the summer and said, right, what you're saying. Yeah. In the pre- that's, what, that's what I feel like. Uh, we have discussed it so many times. I yeah. feel like we're you know, talking about this over so many parts. That yeah. What, on one side, Liverpool, as Kvitvik said, he was their manager after finishing 25 points behind City, was given so many good transfers, costly transfers, because the board trusted yeah. him, and and here United with 19 points behind City was given a Marino was given a 33-year-old third choice goalkeeper, a 19-year-old right back, and 150 150 million Brazilian samba dancer yeah. to compete. Yeah, so that's and, and they, 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 I was going to say with Liverpool though that they were the final pieces this summer. They were just the final pieces. Liverpool's title bid started four transfer windows ago. Yes, yes. Do you know what I mean? Klopp identified the areas that he needed to do and he I thought, right, well, I'm just going to do it piece by piece. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that obviously that was a massive thing. Obviously, and him excelling the way he did in his first season was a massive mm. thing. But again, what, what, um, Salah weren't getting linked with anyone. I mean that 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 was that that's a coup by Liverpool to go out and buy him because he that's won't get Roma need, Yeah, Roma needed yeah. to sell Salah for financial like, fair play. So yeah. why wasn't why why were why weren't other clubs getting linked to him? So that was a massive coup for Liverpool. Not in terms of the name at the time, but in terms of the fact that when he joined the club, I mean Klopp wouldn't even have had to coach him into playing into a system. He just fit directly into that right the inside the right wing sort of inside forward role on the right hand side of the pitch he wouldn't mm. have had to coach him how to, yeah. to fit into Liverpool's style he already had the necessary attributes just to go straight in and that's why he had the impact he did in that first season yeah and like I said Julian Brandt was the priority signing Julian Brandt yeah. was the plan A for Liverpool but they didn't get Julian Brandt because he wanted to stay there because like I said earlier in part one it, it was a World Cup year Mohamed Salah was plan B. So you Liverpool had an actual you know a, one hell of a plan B as well in Salah. So if you look at the plan A, plan B, two good players. Brandt was very young, very raw. And I'm definitely sure that Klopp would have also you know, improved him pretty much was a really good coach. And Mohamed Salah came in. Uh, Sadio Mane was predominantly a right winger and before uh, the season before Salah came, I think Liverpool had a push at the title till December. Then Salah, I mean, Mane went for the African Cup of Nations, and Chelsea went on to take a huge lead, and Liverpool started dropping points. And Sadio Mane ha- uh, 
was part of that team of the year as well and he was one of the he was the best player at liverpool he, i think he won the player of the year at liverpool as well that season and for, and when sala came mane switched to the left wing position which wasn't his role he was not comfortable at the left side in the beginning but see how good of a left winger he is now so that's 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 where the scouting starts you look you you don't just look at a player who's you know who who i mean who just slots into a particular position if you look at sala as well he's played a, he's played as the number 9 a lot this season because because of a lack of an attacking midfielder in our team so fabinho has has dropped deep i've seen nabi keita play left left wing and i've also seen when when shakiri has played as a right winger sala has often slotted into that number 9 role so it, it's it's not just uh, like i said uh, earlier you need to do a proper scouting of each and every player like like chris mentioned earlier united have i think the largest scouting network in the world over 100 scouts if you if you have 100 scout 100 more than 100 scouts and if if you can't even bring a proper player in then then what's the use of having these 100 more than 100 plus scouts at the club yeah yeah it, it it's to be question yeah yeah absolutely uh, Prashant, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you. Uh, I mean, as a Manchester United fan, you know, obviously you you probably watch the game, you you, you watch the games extensively, pro- probably more than I, I mean, I watch a lot of Manchester United games, but you probably watch them a little bit more than me. In terms of, in terms of transfers, now, okay, so let, let let's say you're you're a director of football, you've just been appointed director of football, Manchester United, or you've been a appointed as manager right who is <laughs> uh, who is the you're going into this pre-season who's the one player you go out and buy for the Sorry, club you're asking me that which player would I go and buy yeah yeah so you're going into this uh, transfer season now I, I don't say Messi or Ronaldo unless it's got sort of don't, unless it's got some kind of sort of, yeah, of tra- and that's a strategic sort of plan behind it but in terms of actually getting Man United going in terms of a position that you need on the pitch and who's going to then become pivotal and vital to the to the, to the first 11 and the club itself to sort of give it that uh, springboard or that platform to build from who would you buy first things i would sack Ole Gunnar Solskjaer no i think all jokes aside i'll say I buy first of all Aaron Wan Bissaka right back problem absolutely absolutely I then I would buy someone I don't know some some someone as a left back backup for Luke Shaw because backup slash competitor because Shaw has not been that great he has been average so I would want someone to you know compete with him yeah then, I think the modern day I mean the modern day football team now again obviously depending on how a team sets up Always, I mean, Tottenham is the perfect example. They always have four full backs, two right backs, two left backs. Yes, yes, yeah. And then uh, one right winger. I have no idea who is a good right winger. People say about Nicolas Pepe. I have not seen much of him, so I won't act like I yeah. know more about him. I have heard that he plays well. I saw a few highlights in which he played well, but then in League One, even Memphis Depay plays well. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would so, you not uh, be looking? Would you not be looking at players? in the premiership but who have finished below Manchester United I I would look at Harry Maguire at center back Yeah not uh, last summer I would have looked at Toby Alderweireld but this summer no because 
not he has i have seen him make many mistakes and even the sports fans who i know they say that yeah. his speed is gone his turning is not there anymore uh, yeah. probably i don't know man like in premier league which other player would i want any right winger in the premier league that i would go for maybe if mahrez is to leave city because there are reports coming that he's really unhappy so i would if i was a dyf i would snatch him up yeah but See, I, I, I that's unrealistic I, I, yeah, again, I mean, Manchester United have been linked to him and I really hope he he doesn't go. But Adrissa Garner gay at Everton. I uh, would, man. But the thing is then uh, that if United are selling, if United are not offering a contract to 29-year-old Lander Herrera, then what's the point of signing a 29-year-old in Adrissa Garner gay? Like, if you're... Yeah, well, yeah, okay, yeah, I suppose the, fa- the, financial, uh, the financial issue would be there given the, the amount of money that hopefully Everton would try and claim for him but they, I, I think that's what Manchester United have got to be looking at now I don't think they should be trying to go I, I, I mean if, I, if I'm a Tottenham player mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't leave Tottenham to go to Manchester United of course at the right. moment yeah I mean that's given the fact that the, cl- the amount of money that a club would charge Manchester United to, uh, who are supposed to be on the same level as them so to speak Man, Man United now have got to be looking at getting They've got to be looking at buying players of not of not relatively low value, but relatively low reputation, and then turning them into very very good players, similar to but, what Pochettino has done at Tottenham, similar to what. First have Pochettino, and we, uh, with, see that's why I am not happy with Ole because if you remove the fact that he has been a United legend and he scored the goal that won as a treble. He would not get a. He would not get near Old Trafford at all, let alone the United job. Like yeah. as I said about Mike Phelan, there is no other club in the world uh, competing for Mike Phelan. There is no other club in the yeah. world that is competing for Ole. So Ole would. Ole, yeah, Ole got Cardiff relegated. To be honest. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. He got relegated with Cardiff. He took the Cardiff into 17th position in the Championship also before he was sacked, and then he went to Antarctica and won few leagues with uh, some White Walkers. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, well, I I always I was quite surprised. Uh, well, I, I went surprised when obviously it come out that he got the job, and I thought, all right, well, it, it's to the end of the season. They're not going to get any kind of. They're not going to get the man they want right now in the middle of December. Yeah. So That's I thought, what... right, okay, then, okay, then he's in a job at the moment, so it's not like he he was out of football, so to speak. He, obviously, even though it was only mould, I thought, well, okay, I can get I get the logic and that keep get the fans on board. Etc. But what really surprised me is that when it came out, oh, Manchester United are looking for, uh, now that Jose Marino is gone, they're going to sort of restructure the club and they're going to appoint a director of football. As I said, man. Right? Exactly. How, how, you, how, how, does, how do you then pick a manager before you pick a director of football? Surely you should be appointing a director of football That's... to then go out and appoint a manager for you. Because you're not because Edward was not qualified to make that decision as proven. He should have went out and got on a director of football. He should have said, "To Ali Gunnar Solskjaer, you're going to take us through to the end of the season, okay? Uh, we're going to." And then he should have then, been scouring gonna, Europe gonna, or scouring the Premier you. League. And then to, yeah, to, yeah, to, uh, like, yeah, find the director of football. Then he would have uh, should have appointed them, whether it was announced publicly or whether it was announced. Uh, non-publicly whether it was Edwin van der Sar even if it was just anyone unknown but someone who's who's got proven credentials as a director of football said right 
This Chris, is it coming. Chris, and then you you go and appoint you go and appoint the manager. And if Ollie's gonna socialise the man that you want, then we'll stick by it. But that, go and appoint the manager Chris, yeah. All these new things, you know, like temporary manager, not the uh, director of football, all this was a charade, a fake, uh, uh, how do I say it, something that was uh, told, uh, a lie told by the Glazers to please the fans after that uh, yeah. bad start under Mourinho. You know why? Because they sacked Mourinho because they didn't want someone, they didn't want to spend money in the winter transfer window. Winter transfer yeah. window. And then yeah. Ole came and then he brainwashed the entire fan club by saying uh, publicly in the... Uh, press conferences that I can't wait for this transfer window to get over. I'm very happy with the players and I'm I'm improving them day by day. And he yeah. was that to, of course to please the Glazers and a lot of people have called him yes man and he kind of is because he is doing what Glazers want him to do. Now, yeah. When, yeah. now when he got the full time job and he understood the he understood that Mourinho was right and this squad is shit and their attitude is bad. Now he's telling that players will get reality check and all those things that I'll be successful here and some players will not be a part of it. Mate, you should have done that when you were when you had the chance in the January transfer window. He yeah. sold Salini without yeah. buying up without without buying a replacement and he's giving new contracts to young zones and smalling and just because they are the United Way, like what is this United Way kind of thing? We are the, we are as United fans, you know, we are Supposed to travel on this nostalgia express that United Way is some mythical land where we play attacking progressive football and all players are coming from the academy. <laughs> yeah, if, if 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 I was Ed Woodward, the first thing I would have done is I would have talked to Ole, uh, Ole Nasolska, and I would have said to him, "Okay, you got this temporary job until the summer. If you can impress me, okay, impress me, then we'll have a talk in the summer." And I I, I might sound a bit harsh, but on the other side, other hand, I definitely ring ring up my phone and call Maurizio Pochettino's agent, and I'd have a talk with Maurizio Pochettino, and I tried to, I tried to you know lure him in in the summer. Definitely, I I, I don't know. I still feel Pochettino would have been such a huge appointment for Manchester United. If if you look at the uh, foundation that he set there at Spurs. He didn't even spend a single million uh, this summer, this season. And look at where Tottenham are currently. Yes, I know they've been struggling for the top four recently. Yeah, and like I said, they haven't spent a single penny. So you can't expect Rithik, them to fight for the title. But, but they're the Champions League semi-final as well. But Rithik, you forget the fact that Ed Woodward and Blazers, they don't want to spend a penny. They just want, yeah, they just want to... Uh, United to win some trophies or get Champions League money. That's it. They want success without any proper investment. Now, if they had to go for Pochettino, they would have to pay 35-40 million pounds or something that was told by the media is yeah. a release release clause of Pochettino. And they would and then they would have had to give them probably an additional yes. 200 250 million to revamp the squad because quite clearly nowhere near able to yes. play the type of game that Pochettino would have tried to avoid. So they, and now, because Pochettino would have come and then he would have demanded quality players saying that I fuck off, I will not play with Smalling and Jones and then. But now, Pochettino wouldn't be a yes man. Now, they appointed a yes man who is going to say that we are not going to spend anything, we are very happy, smiles FC, uh, give confidence, express the players. This term, express the players, freedom of expression, what is this term? And I like. <laughs> Rashford is expressing himself by shooting from 40 yards into the row Z. Is this expression? 
it's very frustrating for me to all this yeah. you know two three months so i actually i actually look at it as well when when Solskjaer took over and, and united had that run um and i was quite intrigued to watch him because like i said i'm i'm i don't believe this sort of if you get relegated you're necessarily a bad culture i mean obviously there's obviously some bad cultures that have been relegated but they're not bad cultures because they've got relegated they just happen to be bad cultures uh, so I, I mean, I mean, Klopp himself got got relegated when he was in Germany, uh, when he was at Mainz right. before he was at Dortmund. So I mean, he, and mm-hmm. the, he's still a very, very good coach, of course. So, but I was quite intrigued to see how sort of Solskjaer sort of set up his team. Now, in those games, in that first month, like against Tottenham, etc., and obviously he got the victory. I know the guy played very well. But he seemed to sort of go back to... He seemed to keep it simple. And I think that, that sort of contributed to the run. He sort of thought, right, well, we'll go back to basics and we'll play counter-attack on football and we'll try and catch teams on the break. And it seemed to suit United a bit better. It sort of... Uh, it just, it got, it got, they got the basic plays, like Lindegaard, obviously, running around... Uh, Rashford running into space because they were playing counter-attack on football so even though they were never going to win the, win the league like that but I mean let's face it they were never going to sort of I don't think they were, they're never going to qualify for the Champions League sorry like that but I don't think they're actually going to anyway but it, it sort of just got the best out of those players for that tempor- that sort of period of time I actually think beating Paris Saint-Germain in the Champions League has actually proved to have more of a negative effect on Manchester United than what it did, the positive effect. Exactly, that was the because, worst, worst night of the season. Yeah, because it pa- that, papered over a lot of cracks. You know? Yeah, it papered over a lot of cracks. But if you remember that night, the, the starting line that he put out was a bit sort of, whoa, I can't believe he's gone with this. And he went 4-4-2. And I think he played, did he play Pogba wide left? A Pogba was absent. He was suspended. That's why he won. Oh right, yeah. So he played. Uh, <laughs> and that's better left. He, he played. So he played the centre midfielder on the left. I don't know if it was Pereira or was it. It was Pereira. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He played. So he played the centre midfielder uh, on the left, and he was cutting in, and obviously it created an overlap down the left hand side uh, for the fullback. So it was sort of, a, and he went four four two. But 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 his midfield four weren't your sort of typical four. It weren't sort of like two wingers and two centre midfielders, sort of defensive. It, 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 was a, it was a weird balance and it worked on the night. Now, after that, after that game, Solskjaer seems mm. to have complicated the tactics completely to the point now where I don't actually think he knows what 11 to play or how to play them. And I think that was, that was certainly evident against Everton because that day it just looked like a gang of eleven players who really didn't have any instructions or any idea how to play or how to stop Everton or how to get into position. And this is Everton we're talking about. Don't get me wrong, I'm very proud of my football club, but we were still only seventh or eighth. We, we, I was ex- when when Manchester United come to Goodison, you expected a tough game. You don't be expecting to walk to the ground. 110 yeah. percent confident that you're going to get a victory, uh, and I just think since the PSG game, everything seems to have gone downhill. 
Uh, I just think the tactics he, uh, the tactics that they employed against Wolves, uh, mm-hmm. uh, against and against Everton, against Barcelona. Uh, yeah, against yeah. I, the, I, I, I don't I don't know from the next if Manchester United obviously they've got a game against I believe they're playing Chelsea this weekend. Uh, I don't know who my who they're going to play. Which when you're a team who are in sixth place uh, and they're not going to win the league and you haven't got a big squad and you certainly haven't got a big squad in terms of quality, you should be able to know, know what the strongest eleven is. As a fan, as a manager, and I, I, when he, when he in January when that run was going, I think from one week to the next you could have picked Manchester United starting eleven. Maybe one or two might have been left out for obviously Christmas period uh, pressures such as being tired etc. But now I haven't got a clue what system they play. I haven't got a clue who's playing where. Whether Pogba's going to get played on the left, where he's going to get played on the right, whether he's going to sit deep. Who's going to play alongside Mathic? I don't know whether Rashford's going to get played on the left, whether he's going to get played up front. Does Lingard start on the right? Does he not Does he not start at all? He seems to be the only player that actually runs forward and runs around the pitch. Who, do you know what I mean? Uh, Phil Jones is going to get played at right back. Actually, he's going to get played left back or right back. I just don't know. I haven't got, I have not got a clue um, who Manchester United are. I haven't got a clue. Um, there's just nothing about them at the moment, and that's why. I mean, he's got a, he's got a massive job on his hands here, Solskjaer. A massive job. I, I don't think he's capable of it. I uh, I agree with uh, pressure on, uh, uh, sentiments earlier about. Uh, I think everyone initially got sort of fixated with. Uh, he knows the club, and he knows what's expected of the club, and the Manchester United way. I mean, and, uh, Manchester United have been away for a long time. And Chris, uh, along, uh, okay. Oh, one more thing, like one more thing, why I don't like this thing is because he's always trying to sell the past. You know, like he every press conference he'll mention the gaffer, is the Sir Alex Ferguson. Sir Alex Ferguson, yeah. Yes, gaffer did this gaffer. That it's okay, man. Sir Alex did this, Sir Alex did that. It's fine, but we need to move on. Now, there's a report coming that he's not parking in the same parking spot that's given to the manager because he thinks that it is Sir Alex Ferguson's spot. Now, the mm-hmm. other day, he took the squad to train at the old training ground uh, where we used to train 20 years ago. Now, what he'll do, man, like it's really that's how you motivate players but by telling that we are so we were so uh, good in the past, we were so good in the past, see, glorify our past. Sorry, Ritwik, but then uh, we United fans used to mock Liverpool fans for this, and then we are our players and our I manager know. itself are turning into that. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I I I face. I I mean, in my life, I mean, in my uh, life as a Liverpool fan, I face more. Uh, uh, I mean, parody than actual success. But uh, as of now, I am so happy that. As a Liverpool fan, I'm so happy that Manchester United are turning exactly. Uh, what, I mean, Manchester United are Yes, exactly what Liverpool have been in the past. I I I think Manchester United are doing more what Arsenal done. Yeah, that's just, that's, but, um, oh. but the only difference is Arsenal 
kept the same manager. Yeah, exactly. but I think what, what's happening off the field seems to be similar. I mean, they just seem to be buying sort of, there seems to be no transfer strategy whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, but can I can I just ask you guys a question? Obviously, it's individually now. Yeah, uh, we'll, 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 okay. it's, it's, it's apparently, I mean, it's been apparently pretty long, but yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll end, end the podcast with, with your question, Chris. Okay then, excellent. So, so again, going back to the similar question that I asked uh, yourself before in, in terms of the player. Okay, yeah. if you're a Manchester United fan now, or you don't actually you don't actually need to be a Manchester United fan to make this. Uh, yeah. For this question, who would you pick as the manager to be the club to take the club forward? Rick, you go on. Uh, yeah, I, I've already mentioned my pick. It would be Maurizio Pochettino. No, uh, you, I would say. I, I'd do you say, think that was a realistic? Though, did you, did you ever did you ever believe that was realistic, Rifa? That they would uh, get him. Yeah, I, I believe so because uh, Pochettino was crying out in the press conference saying Tottenham wouldn't win the Premier League if they don't spend a single penny. He 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 was literally crying out. In the media, to be honest, yeah, it was, yeah, it, it was kind of a come and get plea from Pochettino. So, and and actually, if you, if you look at, uh, I mean, if you, if you look at the situations at other top clubs, for example, Atletico Madrid, they have Simeone, and I think he's going to stay next season as well. Real yeah. Madrid, Real Madrid brought in Zinedine Zidane back again, so they're also set with the managerial role. Juventus maybe with. Maximiliano Aleri, they might sack Aleri and they could maybe try for Pochettino, but then Aleri becomes available. So, yeah, Manchester United, uh, for me, I think Pochettino was a realistic choice, but in case they wouldn't have got Pochettino, uh, yeah. I'd say they could have they could have tried on, I mean, they could have tried to get Max, uh, Max Aleri because if, if Max Aleri will get sacked at the end of the season because there are chances that that could happen but yeah but but I'd say Pochettino would have been the perfect fit for Manchester United I mean he would have given them a a whole new identity a whole new blueprint for the football club yeah yeah and for me uh, Chris I think Pochettino yes first choice definitely but if he was not available or if he was not ready to come or whatever reason then I think I would have gone for Conte because then again, why? Because I don't give a shit about type of football. I want winning football. And he yeah. was a center Premier League and an FA Cup winner. And he was a... I, I didn't like him at first, but then he was a kind of, you know, personality in the dressing room who like shakes up players and all these lazy yeah. ones. All those things. He can shake up a player and he can get the best out of them. Okay. True, true, yeah. Someone like that. So, okay. what, what about you, Chris? What about you, Chris? Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, my, my, mine's slightly controversial, but I, I was thinking about this uh, before the podcast started, and what, uh, and I was thinking, right, this was realistic. Okay, so I obviously your the guys that you you mentioned there are all all correct. In an ideal world, Manchester United. Well, not in my ideal world, but obviously in a Manchester United ideal world, that they'll go out and get those managers. But for me, I was thinking those managers would never go there now because they'd want 300 million at least to rip that squad apart. So I was thinking of a manager who would be available on a free transfer that would play attractive football, and he would be. This would be short a short term job so this would be a year 
two years at most, just to go in there, he'd revamp the squad a little bit, he'd play entertaining football and he'd be available on a free transfer straight away. Arsene Wenger. Yep. <laughs> really? Okay, that, that, that. That, 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 that's that's a very really really surprising picture. That. <laughs> that's that's a yeah. really surprising picture. But would would Arsenal opt for United? That 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 would be out because he's given his soul to Arsenal and. Yeah, man. I don't think Arsenal Wenger would ever join another Premier League club. Do you not think? Yeah, well, yeah. In terms of in terms of building building the club, in terms of appointing someone with say a five year plan. True. Then uh, I, I think you would should go, and it'd be a really realistic option. Going back to what I said on the group the other day, that they need to stop go, going for these sort of high-profile managers now, and look at someone who's going to build the reputation and stay loyal. Then I think uh, Nuno, uh, Nuno, the Wolves manager. No, no, oh, yeah, yeah, Nuno Espirito yeah. Santo. Yeah. yeah. No, even yeah. Nuno was a better choice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, 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 fuck all that. Now we're stuck with Ole, so I just hope that you know, uh, unlike his charade at the January transfer window, he does something good in the summer transfer window, and we get actually some good players. Not, yeah. not all this, you know, Declan Rice and Trippier and bullshit. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. So that's yeah. That brings us to the end of this podcast. It's been a wonderful, a wonderful, wonderful episode. I guess this this really has been one of our best episodes uh, one of the best episodes i've ever recorded here and yeah. it was so so much fun and we I, I i thank you guys so much for passing on so much informative uh, content to our listeners as well it, it it's 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 been so long as well uh, two a two part episode it's it's, it's a very long topic to discuss and probably we could go on discussing this maybe for a uh, half a day more but probably we don't have the time as well so thank you yeah. thank yeah thank you to both of you guys uh, chris and prashant so so happy talking to you again on this podcast so yeah that, yeah. that's it yeah actually okay. you're very welcome guys it's been a pleasure yeah okay. yeah yeah and th- and thank you to all our listeners for being so patient and listening to this episode i hope you enjoy uh, I-, i hope you enjoyed this podcast and we got more and more content coming your way soon so stay tuned at the net megasist and also watch out our website www.thenetmegasist.com for some exciting articles as well so th- th- thanks for listening again guys see ya goodbye Bye-bye. i think that was good yeah yeah good, guys yeah. this this was bit long i guess this but was a tracking episode yeah bit lo- that's why i i purposefully made it a two part episode No, it was I, good. I, I, yeah, I, I, I that we were going so we were, we were definitely going to go long. So <laughs> it, it's it's really good, guys. I like I, so, I love I, it so much. I should sleep now. Okay, guys. Yeah. 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 Okay, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, guys. I'll speak to you on the group over the next couple of days. Yeah, uh, maybe if if you guys are free, maybe we can do a podcast this Saturday as well. Maybe a uh, podcast on maybe the PFA Player of the Year and a quick Champions League review, a forty fifty minutes podcast. Yeah, uh, if you guys are free. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll double check things tomorrow, man. But I'll let you know. Okay. Yeah. But sure, yeah, sure. I should be. I should definitely be available some t- some point during this weekend. Well, even maybe Sunday, but I'll let you know anyway tomorrow. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, in terms of times, but yeah, 
I should be available sometimes to do one, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, thank you guys again so much. Bye-bye. Good night. Good All night. Then, good no night. worries, guys. Speak yeah. soon. Yeah. Uh, okay. Bye. Yeah. Good night, Chris. Yeah. Good and good morning, Prashant. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's 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 four almost five a.m. here in India. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's quarter past twelve, so I'm gonna get my head down, guys. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Bye.